Welcome to Lemmy Works, brought to you by Leadership Education Mentoring Institute. We are inspiring parents, mentors, and communities as they embark on the journey of transformational project-based education. Hi, this is Tatiana Fallon. Hi, this is Heidi Christensen. We're so excited to be your hosts. Hi, everyone. Today we have Cassie Dixon, another one of our amazing Lemmy trainers. I'm so grateful you could be here today, Cassie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, too. Yeah. Now, if her last name sounds familiar, we had her amazing son uh, on, well, I will put, I will link it in the show notes, but Aaron Dixon, uh, he was so much fun to interview um, as one of the, uh, the graduates. So I'm just very grateful we got to do that. And um, Cassie, what we like to start with is we uh, ask everybody to tell us, you know, what got you into homeschooling, you know, and, and how did you find Lemmy and leadership education? Okay. Yeah. So I started homeschooling um, when Aaron, so my son that you just mentioned, when he was in the third grade, um, I didn't homeschool our oldest. We have three children um, that are all now out of the home, um, but our oldest two went into public school. And so when Aaron was in the third grade, we had started thinking that maybe um, him staying in public school wasn't going to be the best thing for him. Our, um, our middle daughter really struggled in public school. And so even early on, I had started thinking that maybe I do want to homeschool, you know, Aaron and maybe pull out my, my middle daughter um, from, from middle school or, or from high school at that time. But then we just kind of, you know, like let it go year after year. Um, in the first grade, they start testing children for the gifted program to see if they're academically gifted. And so Aaron had actually qualified for that. He was like in the 99th percentile for the nonverbal domain on the cognitive abilities test. And so I was like, well, I guess we'll keep him in another year, you know? And so he stayed in school for another year to participate in the gifted program. But then third grade came around and they said that he wasn't matching up or meeting the academic requirements and that they were going to kick him out of the gifted program. And so that didn't really jive well with my, me or my husband, because, you know, you wouldn't kick out a student with special needs out of the special education program. Right. And so, you know, children who are identified as academically gifted, they need, you know, extra challenges beyond what they are getting every day in the classroom. And so they were going to say that if, since he couldn't meet the requirements of the, um, academically, that they were going to kick him out of the program. So we had met with everybody at that time, and um, and uh, uh, they did tell us that they were going to kick him out, but they also were concerned about his handwriting. Like, he just did not write, you know, legibly like the other, you know, girls in the classroom or, you know. And, I mean, it's true. Aaron has pretty illegible handwriting. Um but after that meeting, I went home just feeling like, you know, I don't think I can keep doing this. I don't want to go down the same track that my daughter went through because she just hated public school. And so I was like, something needs to change. But after that meeting, um, and they started recommending, well, maybe you can go to a charter school, maybe you can go here. And so they were kind of writing him off. And that was another thing that I was just like, you know what, forget it. And so um, I kind of got mad in the meeting and I was like, I don't need your recommendations. You can take those. And, <laughs> and I might've said some not so kind words. <laughs> um, and so we walked out, that was a Friday. And so we filed our affidavit that following Monday to homeschool him. Like we were just ready to go. And um, I didn't know how I was going to do it or how I was going to make it work, but we were going to give him something better than what the school could give him. And so, so that's what began our homeschooling journey. Um, Lemmy actually kind of came into play about six and a half years after that. <laughs> um, and so we were bouncing from one co-op um, from one to another and just they were all, you know, something was just missing, you know. Um, and so a friend of mine at church, you know, she had started homeschooling her kids and I had asked her, hey, what co-op are you, you know, going to? And she's like, oh, you know, we're going to Altus. This is amazing co-op. I'm going to come over right now and talk to you about it. And she was the member VP of, of Altus at the time. And so she like literally just dropped everything and she lives like 10 minutes down the road. So it's not easy. And she's got nine kids. It's not easy for her to just drop everything, you know? And so she, um, she dropped everything, came and talked to me, shared everything about Altus with me. And I filled my, and she was like, but we only got one spot. 
So I filled my application out that night and we had, um, we got accepted. And so we started going to Altus. Um, Aaron was not happy with that. He didn't want to leave our last co-op. He's like, I can't believe you're doing this to me, mom, again, because he thought that me homeschooling him was going to be like disastrous, <laughs> right? And so anyhow, he um, we started going to Altus. And on that first day at Altus, he just had so much more like, I don't know, like enthusiasm and exuberance about him that he didn't have when we would go to our Friday PE days with our other co-op. I mean, and so anyhow, that's that's probably long-winded more than you wanted. I'm trying to <laughs> backtrack like 10 years. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so we um, started going. And, and you know, I think the funny thing is, is that I told Aaron because Altus had started the first week in August and our other co-op didn't start till September after Labor Day. So I told Aaron, I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Let's just go try this out. Doing the, you know, mom sneaky trick, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to try this out. And if you don't like it, you know what, after four weeks, we will go back to the other co-op. But in my mind, I was not going to go back. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm not sure if he wants to hear this later, but <laughs> but I had no intention of going back. Because after I saw what happened that first day, I was like, this is where we're meant to be. It was like we were, we had finally found our home. So so what do you think about what Altus was doing or presenting made it so that you could, you were drawn to it? Like what specifically was Altus doing differently from the other co-ops you were a part of that made mm -hmm. you really want to join it? Yeah, I think a lot of it was culture. I think there was, there is, there's a big piece of the type of people and, and, you know, we were all kind of like on the same mission to homeschool our kids. Now, granted, you know, at the other co-op, we're all homeschool moms too, but the other co-op had, so we had PE days on Fridays. They didn't, no one else was responsible for helping raise each other's children, so to speak, I guess. You know, we had coaches, but the moms, you know, they didn't have classes, not like we do with with the scholar projects at Altus and, you know, with our junior school. It, none of it was like that. I mean, it was, um, it was like a whole day that we had to sacrifice and give up. But at the same time, the, just the welcoming atmosphere and, the, you know, like they, they treat everybody like we all belong. And if you've ever met, so at the time, Olivia Vota was our principal mentor and, and the founder of, of Altus. And so this was Altus's second year in its running. And, you know, if you've ever met her, she just exuberates like this, this amount of joy that everybody, like she just, like you just gravitate towards her, you know? And I think that can be said for other people and other families that, that attend Altus, that they just, they they just are so welcoming. They're not judgmental at all. At my other co-op, there were like little mom cliques, you know, like different um, gatherings of different, you know, groupings kind of, I don't know. And, and I would try to, you know, go and sit with them. And then it was just, it was just a weird, like, like I would be snubbed off kind of, but not at all. Cause it's like, we all eat together. We all, you know, the kids from all ages, from littles to the scholars they're all like playing for each you know with each other and, and looking out for each other and it's just the whole atmosphere it's like a family it's more family oriented than it is I think at other co-ops so that's interesting because while you're talking some of the things that came to my mind were one there's an expectation that everyone is contributing and has something to contribute right? We're all building this together. And then the other thing was that it's, um, there's an, a, I mean, Olivia obviously has a very clear vision of what she was wanting to create, right? And so that was a vision that you, you aligned with and saw the value and the necessity of that vision, right? Whereas other co-ops, they maybe were created for a purpose, which is probably good and helpful, but not necessarily a, a vision and of what, you know, they're, they're, they're created to fill a need, but not created to build something. We just had um, our final discussion on uh, Hamlet, <clears throat> who I'm teaching, mentoring Shakespeare this year. And um, it's a, Hamlet's a hard play. It's kind of, it's very long. <laughs> it is. And um, so we're sitting there and I was like, why, why did you read this book? Why? So I said, okay, we're going to go around the, the, uh, 
um, I, the question I asked was, after reading Hamlet, what life choices are you going to make differently because of what you learned from reading Hamlet? And I, so I, I said the, the question a couple of times, then we went around the circle and I made everybody give me an answer. And one of the students was like, I'm going to learn that life, you have to be proactive and not reactive because Hamlet mm -hmm. just reacted to every situation he was in. And I feel like sometimes in the homeschooling community is that we're just constantly reacting. We're pulling the kid out of school because it's not working. You know, we're reacting to something that's broken or, you know, we're, we're, my kids are telling me they want to go back to school because they don't have any friends. So I'm reacting. So we're going to go join all these stuff so we can fill these 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 voids in their education whereas i feel like one of the things I, I know that olivia really stresses in the school leadership is no we are acting with purpose and the purpose and we're choosing what we want we're going to choose what we want to end up happening the culture the environment the goal the vision you have to start with that and that's what we're going to start with so that was kind of an epiphany that i had um because i you know i've, I've been in other co-ops and other things as well and i think you know that is one of the big differences like the reason and the why and it's okay like there's nothing wrong with what the other co-ops have or do it's just you know when you get to choose are you going to be choosing consciously this path or reacting to these needs mm -hmm. and you know either way ends up obviously working but so it was an interesting insight yeah. so yeah. what does you like oh go ahead Heidi sorry yeah that's okay um I was wondering Cassie had you found leadership education before you started with uh, Altus or was that your first introduction to it? No. Yeah, it was my first introduction to it. I had no idea what leadership education was. Um, and so when my friend had come over to share everything about me or, or I mean about Altus, she had said, oh, and then you're going to teach a class and we need a spot in STEAM. And I'm like, wait, what, wait, what? I'm going to teach a class? Like what? Like I had no idea what any of this was about. She's like, oh no, it's okay. And then we get a mom's class. We get family foundations. And she's just, you know, she's really hyping it all up. And I'm like, okay, this is all new to me, but I, I'll try it. Sure. Why not? You know? And, um, and then Aaron's going to take a class and he'll start with key. And then he's going to go to Shakespeare. I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying, but okay. And I just, you know, I mean, somehow, you know, when someone is so enthusiastic about something, they start buying into it, right? Like people don't buy what you do. They buy like why you do it. Right. And that's why we start with why, right. That's what Simon um, Sinek says. And so um, she was just so enthusiastic and that made me enthusiastic. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to try this out. I, I, I can teach a class. Sure. Why not? I've never taught before like ever, um, but I can do it. And so, um, so yeah, I, I had no idea what it was, but they had said that, you know, so all new members coming in, you know, part of our member compact is that we read the TJ ed book. And so I started reading that and I, I found myself not being able to put it down. I was like, wow, this is, yes, yes. Like, like I just kept saying, like screaming out, like, yes, this is, this is it. This is, this is the missing link that our family, you know, has been looking for, you know? And I tried to get my husband to read it, And I was like, hey, look at all the stuff. Look what, what it's saying here. This is exactly what we need for Aaron, you know? And, um, and I, I never looked back, I guess, after that. I, and we stayed for five and a half years. So, um with Altus. So, yeah. So what was your um, favorite project to teach that I'm sure, you, I mean, I don't know all the projects that you were <laughs> able to mentor, but uh, yeah. obviously you jumped in willingly to mentor. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so my favorite, my absolute favorite was Quest 1 and 2. I absolutely love that. And I think I learned the most about myself in that class. I, um, and about how to be a real mentor and I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to tear up, <laughs> but I feel like that class, like I grew, like it wasn't just seeing my scholars grow, but I grew, you know, just mentoring, um, those kids, you know, they did amazing things. And, um, I mean, of course I love pyramid. I, I, I trade pyramid. <laughs> um, I've taught this last year before going into teaching full-time, I was mentoring key of Liberty. So I, I, finished up my time at Altus with, with the key class. Um, and so, but I would have to say quest is probably the absolute, my favorite in the scholar program In the little kids program. I taught a class called seven habits last year. And I absolutely love that too. So, but 
but that's kind of a a, a, a foundation of, of quest if you think about it because we teach seven habits in quest so <laughs> maybe that's why I like both of those <laughs> so in what way do you feel like quest really made you grow because you said you know you grew a lot it changed you a lot like specifically like how did that class make you grow or that project mm-hmm I think a lot of it was that I was learning right alongside of my kids. And I did that in Pyramid too, of course. And I did that in Key of Liberty. But a lot of these books, you know, and I only got to mentor it for one year. But a lot of the books that we were reading, I hadn't read ahead of time. But my co-mentor, you know, had, that was like her third year, I think, teaching it. So I was kind of taking her lead. And so a lot of these books, these great books that we were reading, 10 in one semester is kind of heavy duty, even (laughs) for anybody, right? Scholars, adults. Um, and so just being able to learn right alongside them and seeing their ahas, sharing my ahas and epiphanies with them. Um, it was just, I think it was a transformation for everybody all around. And then, you know, because I had a great co-mentor, um, she, uh, I learned a lot from her on how to mentor and how to help these kids to critically think and to draw out of them why is it that they're thinking a certain way and to really ask those higher order level of, of questioning that they um, that require them to think deeply about the subjects, the papers that they were writing and the writer's workshops that we did. Um, I think just all around, I learned some skills that I've even taken with me now in, in my own teaching um, n- now that I, as I'm teaching public school. So. I don't know if that answered your question <laughs> did yeah, I answer your no. question? okay no, I I think it did I was, like off on a, on a on a on a on a um, tangent so please yeah, redirect oh, <laughs> no we do that all the time here no problem at all so could you share a story about um how having that scholar community um helps your family through a hard time yeah so I'm trying to you know, having, so we have family foundations built into our, um, or into the school day. Right. Um, and then having, um, I would say having that, um, that mom's group really helped as far as, um, having a good solid support. And, and I'm trying to think of, of an exact story. (laughs) Um, as far as a hard time that we've gone through, but during our times at Altus, we didn't necessarily experience a lot of um, the hardship that I've seen other families go through, but having the, the scholar community, having, you know, family foundations, having just that, you know, the Commonwealth community, I've seen firsthand the different supports that they provided for other families. But I will tell you my hardest thing, uh, I don't know if this is the hardship piece or what, but my hardest thing was actually leaving Altus. Um, and just transitioning back into um, everyday life. And um, because when you have that community and you have that constant support, and it's not like, you know, they're not there. I mean, my, I mean, they're still friends. Friends are still friends, right? But when you go every week and you have that good support, um, it really helps to keep you going week to week, day to day in your homeschooling, I feel. And, it, and so it's important to have that community so that you can, when things are really hard or when you want to just throw your, throw in the towel and not keep homeschooling, you have those people there to help you and to encourage you and to give you that kind of motivation. Um, but when Aaron graduated, it was like one of the hardest things for us because we're experiencing empty nesters. We're experiencing him graduating, you know, it's just, it's a lot all at once. And then I had served on the board for five years. So for my entire time that I was there, almost, I was on the board in some capacity. And so I lost that. And then I lost my family foundations group. And it was a lot. But (laughs) and I'm not going to tear up, but uh, (laughs) um, everyone knew that I was going to go teach, you know, that I was that I had accepted a position as an English teacher at the high school over here. And um, on my very first day, I had this beautiful, beautiful bouquet of flowers delivered to me. And I I was thinking, okay, that's nice of my husband. Wow. Like what, what a nice gesture, like to really give me that encouragement. And it, uh, it wasn't from my husband. It was from my Alta sisters that had delivered it with a card just saying, Hey, this is your hero's journey. And we're cheering you on every step of the way. It's going to be hard this year, but we know you can do it. And it was something to that effect. Anyway, 
So I just know that having this kind of community that you're never forgotten, even when you graduate, right? Even when you're in the crux of it and you're having hard times and you're going to, you know, your Commonwealth every week, they're there to support you every step of the way. And then, you know, when you leave, <laughs> they're still there. They're not going to forget about you because, I mean, we've made an impact in some way on their children, some way, somehow. So anyway. I, I know what you mean. I know in... um the community that I helped start, we had so many families, so many mothers who came back and would volunteer. Be, they didn't do things afterwards, you know, um, like like you were doing. I, I just think that's amazing that you're you're now a te you're teaching and in the classroom and everything. But we've had so many people volunteer to continue teaching because they you know, their kids were gone. They had graduated out of our community, but they didn't want to leave. They were getting so much out of it. And they were so grateful for what their kids had received that they wanted to continue giving back. And I just was mm -hmm. just so grateful to see that and so grateful that they wanted to continue to be part of our community. It was really neat. Yeah, I love that. And we we have another mom that also her kids are done with autism, but she still goes and volunteers and is still mentoring. And, you know, if I didn't need a job that I probably, <laughs> I probably would stay there too. I've had the, the sweetest little girl, you know, I, I, I mentored her in, in the seven habits class. It was um, a core class. And every time I run into her, like in town, or I ran into her at a play a couple weeks ago, her sisters were playing in a, in this production. And she was like, can you please come back to Altus and teach us? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I've made a commitment to teach some older kids right now, but maybe next year I can think about it, <laughs> you know, but it's just, yeah. Even after you've left, I mean, yeah, people want to keep coming back and I would, if, if I didn't have to pay for my son's mission or his college coming up soon. <laughs> so, yeah. One of the things, you know, people say, like, the question is, you know, how has the community helped you get through hard times? And, so, you know, not everybody has, like, this story of, like, oh, it was this intense thing that happened. But one of the things that a parent said to, like, one of my mom's friends said to my sister, like, years later, years and years later, she said, you know, the thing I'm most grateful for is that my children had friends like you. And I think about it and like um, talk about it with my siblings. And that's the number one thing that we're grateful for. It was like, you know, people always like, oh, you're homeschooled. And then, but they never, they don't know we're homeschooled. Like there's that stereotypical to homeschool, but no one would ever guess that we were homeschooled. And people are like, well, you're not weird. And like, <laughs> well, I was, I had, I had friendships that were real, like really solid friendships. Mm -hmm. And it's friendships that, yeah, now we're not necessarily still doing the same things or hanging out at the same time, but, you know, we've moved on and have different parts of our lives and different things, but we're still really close. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that people just don't realize the value of, you know, a young developing youth that they can have that stability with their friends at that age. To mm -hmm. me, I think that is really one of the best ways that commonwealth can support a family is making sure that they have close good friendships and then like you said and for you your your foundation sister uh, you know sisters or or moms it's like that that friendship those are lifetime and they are so strong and i i'm with you the same it, being a homeschool parent it can be extremely isolating right because you have your children and then if you go to church you can have some church friends but where else are you going to get adult enrichment other than your spouse, right? Like, mm -hmm. and so it can be, you know, exhausting as, as a parent, you kind of uh, lose a sense of yourself and, and, and it's hard. It's really hard. So it's so enriching to be like, okay, we're going to work super hard to get a building, get a facility, get all these things. And then part of that's going to be us working together on, on us. And, and I just think that's a really powerful awesome aspect that a lot of these com communities are doing we have one that we meet every week at the end for not very long like 45 minutes but as every this is the first year we've done it and every time it's like oh this is my favorite time of day to sit down 
And we're just going to talk with these women who are absolutely phenomenal. So, so brilliant. So amazing. Mm -hmm. Learn from them, like get parenting advice. Like I'm the youngest (laughs) one there. So it's really helpful for me to be like, how did you do this? Like, like, oh, here's some advice. And we, we, we uh, don't realize how much as a society we've lost by not having that gathering of women like that, you know, Mm -hmm. that is so necessary for the healthiness of our communities and our society. So, you know, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a challenge that the Commonwealth has to get us through other other than the Commonwealth Health has actually like learned how to establish great friendships and, and build community, you know. So yeah. um, what you said, obviously you, you decided to go and become a teacher mm-hmm. and you've now taken classes. How how have the two different philosophies, how have you managed that going into becoming a teacher in public school? Have you seen huge conflict or what's that journey been like? Yeah, there's a lot of difference. I mean, it I mean, it is, of course, a very, very conveyor belt, right? You know, we're trying to push, you know, these these kids along. Um and but I've so where I've really utilized a lot of like my leadership education and the mentoring skills that I've I've gained through mentoring at Altus, I've used I've taken a lot of those type of skills and applied it more to my teaching. There's nothing I can do about you know standardized testing. I can't do anything. I mean, these kids are tested so incredibly much like like way too much I mean they have formatives district formatives that they have to take every other week they have um, writing benchmarks which they just finished last week they have reading benchmarks coming up and these benchmarks are every quarter I mean it's just the Vail school district and maybe I should maybe I should bleep that part out (laughs) the school district here I mean, they do, they over test these kids and it's not just a gripe that I've, you know, that, that I, that I have some of my, my teacher, you know, like my colleagues also have the same issue with the amount of testing that these kids um, are given. And it's just, so that's probably the only thing that, you know, is really out of my control and I can't do anything, you know, I can't change that, you know, when it comes you know, um, to them being tested so much, but because of that, I don't issue a lot of my own personal tests in class. I mean, I do do assessments because I mean, we kind of have to, you know, like, um, we're, we're supposed to do like 70% assessments, 30% of what they're doing work-wise. Um, so like, that's like assignments, homework, bell work, kind of things like that. Um, but what I do for my assessments is, you know, say for example, we just finished reading a book and, um, they've had to do these reflection journals along the way. So think kind of like in terms of opinion papers, right? So they have to write an opinion paper um, as far as what they've read, reflecting on sharing their own personal insight. And that also kind of helps build their own critical thinking skills. And so um, I'm pretty lenient, uh, I think that when it comes to grading, of course I can't change the standardized testing. I can't, you know, cause once that's in the system then it shows in the system what, the, what score they got, but, um, but one of my kids just a week ago asked, you know, how I graded my my son in homeschool, you know, because I, I tell my kids that, you know, I, I used to homeschool. And so I, I, I tell them, I'm like, you know what, I, I grade him pretty much or, or I'm grading you guys the same way I graded him. And I have my kids work towards like a level of mastery. So it's not like black or white. You know, we have open ended discussions. We talk about the book. And as long as they're thinking, as long as they're producing some kind of thought, like, you know, kids writing those one sentence opinion papers, as long as they're producing something, I can work with them and help them create more critical thought about that issue. Um, and so it's, it's, so that's kind of what I've taken into my own personal teaching. And then when I do teach, I do very, you know, Socratic type, you know, discussions, I make sure that, you know, I'm asking them those higher order of of questions. So, you know, when they tell me something, oh, well, why do you think that way? Tell me more about, about your thought process, you know, as far as why you think that. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm putting it back on them so that they are learning, you know, and I'm not just telling them, you know, or I'm not just telling them how they, you know, like what they need to think, or, you know, we hear that a lot that public school teachers are teaching kids what to think, but, you know, I really try to steer clear from that. And I want them to produce their thought. I want them to produce, you know, what it is that they're, um, what, what conclusions are they coming to from, from the portion of reading that they've done? Um, 
And we've done a very, cause it's, I mean, my class sizes are about 25 to, I think I have 28 is, is my biggest class size, which actually isn't bad considering cause some of my teacher friends have 35. <laughs> so because it's hard to have a, a, a group discussion, like let's say, think if you were to do a colloquium with 10 students or something, right? I can't do that. So what I've done is I, 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 this last quarter, I put them into groups of four. And so the book we were discussing, they came up, they came up with their own discussion questions. They come up with their own um, answers to those discussion questions. So they're kind of doing that hard work that it takes to really build their critical thinking skills and to think deeper on, on, um, on the topic that we're discussing. We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comment section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. And then they have to write their reflection on top of what was discussed. So it's kind of like a three, three part, four part method that I, I've been doing with them. Um, and then now they're ending up with having to write a paper. So um, which so so those reflections I count as my assessments. I'm not counting that as classwork. So that's how I kind of get around this the assessment piece <laughs> because I'm assessing what they know. How are they building that critical thought? Um, and so it, it's been I mean it's been good so far. I've been told that I don't seem like a first year teacher that I seem like a third or fourth year because the stuff that I'm doing with my kids are third and fourth year level teachers, and I'm like, well, I did this back with my homeschool group, so I feel like. <laughs> I'm already a third or fourth year teacher. So anyway, I love how you apply, you know, Covey right from the beginning, you know, begin with your school, your, your circle of influence, like you really can't get caught up in what's not in your circle of influence, right? So if this is what you can control. This is what you can do. And it's going to make an impact. And, and it's also going to make an impact, you know, as you choose to like, see your students as individuals and treat them you know, like with that standard within what you can do, because I just read a book, um, it's called The Hidden Ghost of Addiction. Um, I'm pretty sure I have to double check. But anyways, um, I, I read random books. So there's no reason why what I read is what I read. But anyways, like, um, the book I was reading, um, I, 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 I picked it up, or I started listening to it on Audible. But this guy who was talking about the one of the biggest deterrents for p kids who have traumatic lives um, and have rough lives or whatever, but end up going away from drugs rather than to drugs. Cause I mean, he's working in like inner city Toronto, like hardcore stuff that he was working with or he's in Vancouver. But um, he said, biggest deterrent is that they have an adult in their life who sees them and recognizes them where they're at and where they're where they're at in their journey and with their pain and he says he's he's actually not very pro doing everyone in like the way that public school has it because it's like there's not enough time with of the community a variety amount of ages and they're getting too much time with just peer-to-peer -peer. but he says if you can have if, if, a, if a child can have who comes from a rough home can have enough interactions with secure adults in their lives, it'll be, it'll go way more towards helping them have not fall into the trap of addiction than anything else you could ever do for a person. So I think that's just really interesting because as you're talking and you're like, well, this is how I'm grading them because I want to see them. I want to see what they're saying, which makes more work on your part, to be honest, because you could do a multiple quiz test, put it in a yeah. room, put it in a computer, <laughs> and then you're done, right? You're giving yourself mm -hmm. a lot more work by this way of grading them. But as you're doing that, you're getting to know them. Like, that's one of the things that I love about the, the Lemmy writing method is like, it, we're doing this because I want to know how you're thinking. I want to see mm -hmm. you thinking. I want to see your thoughts. I want to see your ideas because you're, you're, you're just asking to know them on a more intimate level, which then validates them and makes them feel more like, oh, I have something to say. I am worth something, you know? So I just, I just love how you've taken all these principles of truth and in your own circle of influence, like this is how I can and will do what I know is true. And it's going to have a really huge lasting impact in those students' lives, I mean, whether we, you get to see it or not. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. you probably won't. <laughs> That's the thing that kind of hard about teaching. You don't always get to see what you end up ends up happening with the kids. <laughs> yeah.
but maybe years later I'll get those emails. <laughs> One of my colleagues always talks, but he teaches 11th grade as well. And he always gets those emails years later saying, thank you so much for helping me, even though I didn't like it at the time. But, you know, after the fact, kids always realize that, right? Once they're in college or beyond. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, that's how the brain develops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're like 25, 26. <laughs> they're like, oh, that was actually really good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we've kind of talked about leadership education. We've talked about being in Commonwealth. Um, I want to talk a little bit about classics. Cause you said you're having your students read books in your classroom as right now, but mm -hmm. how has incorporating the idea of classics in your family life and in your education helped or, or, or grown your understanding of yourself or your critical thinking? How has, has your journey with classics, what does that look like? So we, um, yeah, so we read quite a bit, you know, when Aaron was home, of course, and then during our, you know, in our Altus journey. And, you know, I, I love classics because you can always try to, you know, there's always a lesson to be learned, right? Um, and each time you read it, there's something new that you can gain from that, right? And so one of my favorite questions is asking, how are you better or how are you changed since having read the story? Um and so one of the things as a teacher, I actually, do, I do have some control as far as what books I can choose for my classroom, which reminds me now I need to um, get some books on the approval list, which the deadline's next Friday. But, and I want to add Alas Babylon and The Chosen, because those were some of my favorite books that we read when I was at Altus. Um, but they're not, so our school district has an approved list of books because they have to go through the school board. And so we have an approved list. But from that list, I have, um, I can choose pretty much whatever I want my students to read. Um, and so, um, but they're not going to read 10 books in one semester. It's not, it's definitely no quest, <laughs> but I am choosing one book per quarter. And so, um, so I can at least expose them to some good stuff, you know? And so last quarter we read The Crucible, which um, is, is a really great play. And you know, the students, some of them are just like, I hated this. I don't like this. I'm like, well, then maybe you missed the point. Maybe you didn't really get what you needed out of that story, <laughs> you know, because we go into McCarthyism and we talk about the history of, you know, of witch, of witch hunts. And we talk about modern day witch hunts, you know, and students take that literally. They're like, there's no such thing as a modern day witch hunt. I'm like, um, figuratively not, I'm not talking about like an actual, which actually that's not true because in Tanzania there are, I mean, there are some witch hunts that still take place today. Um, some actual witch hunts, but, uh, um, one of my questions at the very end of that book, so I had my kids do like this infographic, but one of my questions at the end that I, I offered for extra credit, cause I knew not all were going to do, we're going to take it, but most will do, you know, a few will do the extra credit. But my question was, which character do you relate to the most and why? And I really wanted to kind of see what their thinking was now that we've read this story. And one of my students had shared how he felt that he was like John Proctor. And because that even though, and I don't know if you're familiar you know, with the crucible, but you know, John Proctor, you know, has an affair with his wife and then goes to the, um, but then tries to do everything he can to redeem himself at the end. But then he ends up still, you know, it still ends up a tragedy for him, you know, at the end of the story. And my student was saying how he compared his life to trying to live his life as a Christian, as a high school student, and how, you know, just like John Proctor, he tried to do everything right. He knows that he can still be redeemed and atoned for his sins. And he was just going on and on and on. Like, it was a great reflection. I almost want to like post it up and, or like laminate it because that's the kind of thinking that I, I hope my students are going to walk away with that. They're going to make some kind of connection to the character and how they've improved their life or how they feel better for having read it. Um, or who do they relate to the most and why, and what have they learned? I think that was the second piece, you know, who do they relate to the most and why, and what can you learn from this character? That was the second piece to that, that question. And so being able to walk away from that, um, then I know that they didn't miss the point, but those students that didn't take that opportunity, then I'm like, oh, you really missed the point of the story. But, um, so, and then this quarter, it was a nonfiction unit. So we chose Friday Night Lights, which is about the um, football team in Odessa, Texas in the 1980s. Um, and so a lot of tough topics come up in there. And so just being able to pick, you know, and that I think is a modern classic, just because of the principles and things that we can draw from, from that book. There's a lot of stuff that it talks about as far as like racial divisions and how people were so divided um, politically, racially, um, 
how they treated, you know, like uh, the female students from the male students and just, and it's a different time period. So just being able to bring out some of those different principles and talking about them, you know, week after week, um, I think helped the students. And then next semester, I'm doing another play and then we're going to end with The Great Gatsby, which kids cannot go through high school without reading The Great Gatsby, in my opinion, because <laughs> um, it's, there's so much you can learn from that. Um, and so, but we're going to end with that book, but sorry, going back to the classics and how they've influenced um, the crucible was not initially a junior level. I mean, it is a junior level read, but none of the junior teachers read it. And because I decided to teach it this year, they're going to make it a staple for junior year. And so I've had that kind of influence to make sure that we are teaching some good classical literature and not, you know, stuff that's being put on the band list for good reasons, I might add. <laughs> So anyhow, I'm going to have to check out Friday Night Lights. I haven't, have not, I have not uh, read that book. So I will, I will have to check it out. I'll definitely do read it. It is really good. It's, it's a hard, I mean, it, it can be a hard read, um, but I think it's a quest level read. I think, you know, questers or even like a, if you could do like the school A, like at all, since we did school A nights, like I think that'd be a good, a good book for a parent read. Um, cause there's just so many good principles you can bring out of it. And so. I love that if, when you're talking, the thought that came to my mind is like, you know, I can tell you about racial issues or I can tell you about, you know, divisions of opinions or how it's super important for us to be able to allow for freedom of speech and like the dangers of witch hunts. And I can tell you all those things. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you read a classic, it's like, if you read it with, you know, like as a, an actual seeker of truth, you you walk away knowing it versus mm -hmm. me just telling it to you, right? And and so the thing that I like as you're talking is like you don't know everything that your students are going to get out of those books that you chose to read them, but because you know their classics, you know they're going to walk away with truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so inspiring about like with you if you build a curriculum off of. I'm going to present something that is full of truth and you're going to pull out of it what you need of it, <laughs> but I'm going to be totally okay with what you end up learning because I know it's full of truth. So um, that's what I think is so powerful about a, a classic because I, another thing you said is like, you know, this was education that was right for Aaron. Um, and I just really think that's one of the things that we don't fully understand about like there can't be one right way to educate every child right mm -hmm. like and that's what we really need to understand is like this is what's right for this kid there's true principles and there's great principles of mentoring and there's truth in those things but everyone's path looks differently and but classics that's what I like them it's like I'm just giving this classic to you and you're going to get this out of this classic and I'm going to get this out of this classic and it's both what we need right now mm -hmm. so yeah. And even, you know, as you're talking, I was just thinking too, that, you know, some of my students that didn't like the crucible absolutely loved Friday night lights. And so, you know, when, you know, different education or different things are going to work for different kids. Right. And and not everyone's going to like every single book and that's okay. And I tell them, you're not going to like every book and that's okay. You know, maybe articulate to me why you don't like it. Right. But you're not going to like every single book and that's okay. But I do want you to get something out of it, you know? And so most of my kids actually, or my students actually really did like the Friday night light books. Um, cause it also touches on community. That was the other principle I, um, that I was trying to bring out of there. So the town comes together, you know, despite their differences, you know, politically, racially, gender, um, roles, differences and stuff, and they come together. And so just, just the whole concept of community, um, is also touched on a lot in that book as well. Um, and then like winning and losing and purpose in life. So another great principle that a lot of my kids, you know, actually got, and I just seen their light, those light bulb moments go off. I just, um, for the same reason I taught it or mentored at Altus, I love seeing those epiphanies and those light bulb moments go off in your, you know, in the scholars and, and kids and I mean, in the students just all around. Anyway, it's yeah. <laughs> that makes it more, I think, fulfilling and rewarding why we do what we do. So yeah. Now, did you always think that you'd be a teacher or was this something that kind of developed over time? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> I mean, a, a few years ago, I looked into the program. This might have been actually before I started homeschooling. So 
so maybe like 12 or 15 years ago, almost, I looked into the the post degree program because so my background's in social work. And so I had thought about, well, maybe I want to because, you know, teachers have a nice schedule, right? They're, they're off in the summer and they off at Christmas and, <laughs> you know, um, but it's a lot of work. But anyway, <laughs> um, but so I did think about it, like in the back of my mind, but I was like, no, that's, I'm not going to do that. It's, it's not for me. Then I started teaching or so I started mentoring adults in the junior school that first year. And I, I did not know what I was doing. I mean, I would come up with some fun activities, but I was running out, like we had like a whole hour and we would run like 15 minutes short. And I'm like, okay, free time. I don't know what you guys are doing. You know, let's go play on the playground, you know? And, and I wasn't able to fill that time. And then I taught, and then I, you know, second year I was mentoring in pyramid. And so I did pyramid for two years and, um, but I started realizing I don't have enough time to teach everything in the two hour slot. So I went from not having enough to, or, or, or not having enough, you know, to fill the one hour to not having enough time at all for two hours. And I was like, I don't like, there's just way too much stuff. I want these kids to know. And so and then I taught, and then I did Quest, same thing, Key of Liberty, same things. There's just so much stuff you got to get in those two hours. It's always funny because I always hear as a trainer, you know, how are we supposed to fill the two hours? And I'm like, you will, you know, I, I think it'll come, you'll fill those two hours. And so now that I'm teaching, um, same thing, I'm like, how do I keep these kids engaged for a whole hour? And that a few years ago was in the back of my mind, but I was like, I think I'm going to be okay. Now, if I had tried teaching when I was teaching you know, in the junior school, I probably would have no clue what I'm doing. But I truly believe that my experience with Altus and homeschooling and the mentoring skills that I picked up has really helped shape me who the, te you know, the teacher that I am today, because I don't think I could do this without having any of that prior experience. I would have been like that first year junior school teacher thinking, all right, I ran out of time. You guys can just hang out, do whatever, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, no, I know I, I have so many, well, my kids are spread apart. I have four that are, uh, were born um, close together and then one tag along that was seven and a half years later. And so I've been doing this longer than a lot of people who, you know, like, like you go in and it's like five and a half, six years, maybe seven or years, and then they're gone. And so I've seen so many people leave and I think it's so amazing. So I just love it that the women, the moms are finding their genius, finding their mission and going out and living it. And it's not just the kids. I mean, we are helping you got helping people build communities that are changing lives. It's not just the scholars. It's not just about the scholars. It's about the entire family. And um, I know I was doing a presentation uh, just yesterday and I was like, you know, this woman was interviewing me and she was like, okay, what, what would you tell people about homeschooling? And, and one of the biggest things I feel is that homeschooling is a lifestyle for the entire family. Mm -hmm. And when you pull in leadership education and Lemmy, it just like bumps it up and makes it so much more and your lives are more fulfilling and you you really look at life differently and I'm I'm just I'm just so excited for you that you're I, I'm there cheering you on too I think that's <laughs> so you. cool that you are doing that and that you're you found that that mission you're able to apply everything that you have have learned over the years so that is really cool so this podcast is called Lemmy Works, and the idea behind it was just to kind of talk about, you know, does Lemmy work? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like we've got a lot of years down, you know, what's been the outcome? So we always kind of like to end with the question, how do you feel like Lemmy has worked for you and your family? Um, yeah, so my, so Aaron graduated this last, <laughs> this last May, of course, you know, and um, when we first started, and I, t I tell this story often to, you know, to the moms at Altus and to even my friends that will, you know, think about homeschooling is that when we first started Altus, you know, Aaron was not much of a writer, you know, yes, he had, you know, you know, his handwriting was a, the best, 
you know, but one of the things I would do with him is I would have him write a journal and he could write about anything. I didn't care. He could write, you know, about Transformers, Minecraft, whatever, you know, his latest, you know, video game that he was playing or something, you know. Um, but uh, when we first started with, with Altus, he was in Key of Liberty and he was in, you know, Shakespeare and he was writing those one liner papers, you know, and I, I tell the story frequently because I think it's just funny how, you know, a kid can go from a one liner to writing these collegiate level papers. And he there is a prompt in Key of Liberty, and I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is, but it, it's something to the effect of, you know, like what makes America you know, so great, or I don't know, some question about America and your opinion on, you know, like, you know, this is a great country, what makes it so great kind of thing. And Aaron's response was he drew a flag and then did hashtag America because I said so. And I'm like, that cannot be your opinion paper. Like, why do you, you know? And Olivia was his mentor at the time. And she wrote, this beautiful thing, and I wish I probably should have pulled it out and, and read it. His box, his things are boxed up somewhere, I think. But she wrote, you know, oh, that's very interesting. Okay, well, why do you think that way? And why do you know? I, I can see you're very patriotic, and I can tell that you, you know, you have a deep love for your country. But why? And so she was kind of, you know, giving him, you know, the praise and those love notes that we talk about, right? For those, for those um, um, practice scholars, and but then she was questioning him too, you know, to make him think a little bit deeper on that. But no judgment, none at all, you know, and I think that's, I think that's the beautiful thing in Lemmy is that we're, we're working to help these, these kids grow into the, you know, into the young adults that they're going to be at some point, right, you know, the young men and young women, and we're helping them find this inner genius, and, you know, so Aaron wrote that, then he goes to S.W.O.R.D., and he's kind of, you know, maybe two sentences, maybe three, you know, but same thing, you know, he gets to Pyramid, and um, which I was his mentor when he was in pyramid, I'm sure. I'm not sure how he liked having mom as, as his pyramid mentor and his homeschool teacher, you know, but um, his papers were getting a little bit better. But it wasn't until Quest when he finally had to actually write something. And he um, he was taking a, a history class at the same time with our community college. And I had helped him a little bit on that paper. But I was like, you know, you've got to find your own your own information. You've got to find, you know your own voice, essentially, you know, and, and find your argument. What is it that you're trying to, you know, trying to say here in this paper? And, um, but it was, so those happened at the same time that, 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 that college course and him taking quests. And all of a sudden he just found his voice in quest and he started writing three, four, I think maybe six pages was his last paper that he wrote, you know, in quest. And it just happened somehow, you know, parents are like, I don't know how I'm going to get my kid from writing this one sentence paper to writing, you know, this long, you know, essay. And I'm like, it's going to happen. And it happens like a light switch. And I don't know how any other way to explain it than this transformation of going from this, this practice level scholarship scholar to this apprentice scholar. It just, it works somehow through the love notes, through our praise, through our constant encouraging and our mentoring and our loving on these kids right we got to love on them and build those relationships with them um it's going to work and they're going to be successful young men and young women and they're going to go on to do great things and um like Aaron he's actually got into his chop choice for college you know he um he was accepted to BYU which has like a 66 percent acceptance rate and so as a homeschooler I think that's something that's pretty cool and so Lemmy works if people just trust the process and they trust and they put the you know they they put in the sacrifices that they put in the time, it's, it's going to work and they're going to have amazing, you know, human beings that are going to go off into the world and do awesome things. So. I love that. It's, it's so, so true. Cause it is a process and a lot of people like they bail on the process. I feel like a, some people like, mm. like this process doesn't work. I'm not doing this anymore. And you're just like, okay, fine. That's what okay. It's, but um, like, I think about, about my own journey through education and like yeah I was totally doing the probably worst papers at 12 you know and um you know and here I am at 16 writing curriculum you know like there's this there's this there's this development that the switch you go that's only four years right but if you spend those four years building the right foundation 
you know, then you can build fast. I was, um, I've been getting into permaculture and um, building uh, orchards. And I saw this video where this guy was like, okay, I have two, um, I have two trees here. They're like only like maybe 10 feet apart. And he's like, this what diameter of this tree is three times the diameter of this tree. This tree gave me four times the amount of fruit this tree gave me. I literally planted them the same day. And then he's like, so we're trying to figure out why this tree is twice, you know, three times as big and producing four times as much fruit and is way stronger and healthier. And this tree isn't. And they're literally four, they're 10 feet apart. And then he said, when it dawned on us that for the longest time we had put the pigs in a pen right here. And so for four or five years, the pigs were like literally just feeding the soil with all kinds of nutrients. And now we have this thriving, you know, 10 times faster, way healthier, way stronger plant. And so it was like, so if I have any advice, it's like, put your pigs out and pasture for years at a time and let them grow things. But if I'm trying to grow pears and I have pigs in a pasture, it like literally makes no sense, right? Like you're not going to get pears from that. Mm -hmm. But now, but it's like, no, I have twice as many pears, twice as fast and twice as healthy, but I had to spend time prepping my soil mm -hmm. and it took a long time to prep my soil. And so I think that's, that's one of the things that it's like, because we're so disconnected from from time i was actually reading another book it was like the worst invention for humanity was the clock <laughs> it's like like what that doesn't make sense he's like no because we used to be able to judge ourselves and regulate ourselves with seasons and with the, the sun and we could we could better regulate our how we function in society and how it functioned and then we have the clock and now it's all like we're like rigid and all these you know ridiculous things but <clears throat> The, the point being is like, because we're so disconnected, we don't see the value in spending years building that soil of self-confidence. You know, that's basically what you're saying. It's like, we're, we're not self-confidence. It's just like a, a, a strong sense of, I have a voice. It matters what I say. And I can say something, you know? And if we don't spend those years just reaffirming that, then finally come 16, hey, I have a voice. And they just, they can just use it, right? And, and then they care about the tools and they want to know every tool available and how to do it effectively. So I just love yeah. that story. I love that. I, I had written um, about my story and, and with, with Aaron on a post on Facebook a few months ago that Aaron had actually, so he took the AP English Lang test, um, which is a pretty hard test. They have to write three essays in um, two hours. So like it's 40 minute essays each. Um, and he ended up getting a four. So now he's tested out of English for his, um, for, for college when he gets in. And so I wrote my experience about how going back to Aaron when he was in third grade, they said he would never pass the third grade if he didn't improve his writing, if he couldn't do anything. And now I'm like, well, I guess the joke's on the teacher now because he actually does write at like a whole, like, a, like this huge, or like this high, you know, college level, collegiate level. And all for homeschooling, you know, and with leadership education, I think that's where he got to that point was because of the resources and the support that he's had through our Commonwealth school. So anyway, that's just. Yeah. And I, I just want to put a plug in for our classic calls. We have two classic calls that are part of this podcast that um, talk about writing and they are amazing. You need to you know, if you haven't listened to them yet, please go back and listen to those. I'll put a link into uh, the show notes so that you can find them easily. Also, um, one of the things that, you know, that we're talking about here is seasons. It's all about seasons. And that's one of the things that really sets Lemmy apart and leadership education apart is that we are not looking at things in the same way. We don't look at education the same way. It's, it's more seasonal. It's not, you know, what is happening right now? We're looking at it in a longer term. And so that's why we can accept those you know, flag papers. <laughs> I got one, I got a paper like that too. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, you can accept those flag papers and just know that that is that foundation. That's that, that pig farmer, you know, we're, we're, that's the fertilizer for what's going to come later. And understanding that is, is a lot of what we're dealing with here. So, Mm But anyway, Cassie, we are going to have to wind things down. Thank you so much for being here today and, you know, sharing all of this amazing stuff. I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're here. And um, like I said, uh, we had so much fun having Aaron and I'm so grateful we could kind of have you too, because it kind of fills in the gaps and we get to hear both sides of the story. And that is, that is really important. It's really impactful for our listeners to hear both sides. So I'm, I'm just really excited that we got that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.